Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We are into the high school football playoffs, regular season in the rear view. The seeds are out, the qualifiers are out, qualifiers are out, the brackets are out. We know who the teams play. We know the path to state for every team in the state, and it's time to get to the games. Today on the WSN podcast, we're going to take a look back uh, at the the playoff process that came out last Friday and Saturday, who got in, how they got in, some of the controversies, uh, some of the things that, that didn't make a little sense. Um, but then we're going to get into a, a lot of looking ahead, previewing the playoffs. Uh, we'll probably run through each division essentially and just kind of talk about some of the highlights I'll talk about my picks uh, to to win state out of each division. What I ended up going with for our um, our staff and media partner picks. So going to be a, a jam packed football playoff preview edition of the WSN podcast, and we certainly could not do it without our friends at B Three Sciences. Are you looking for an athletic advantage for your athlete or team? B Three Sciences is the answer. Originally limited to Olympic caliber athletes, it is now available to anyone. Increased vertical leap, quickness, speed, and strength through a more effective, efficient, and safer way to get a deeper level of fatigue and more muscle fiber recruitment than many modern workouts. Visit drken.b3sciences.com and take a 30-day no-risk test drive. Technology trusted by the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, LA Clippers, USA Powerlifting Team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and more. Also, when we're out there driving to these games Friday night and throughout the postseason, we're obviously going to be getting into prime deer movement time uh, with uh, with the rut coming soon. So let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Absolutely. Let's make sure everybody gets to their uh, their location safe and sound. And uh, let's have a great time in the high school football playoffs. Well, let's let's take a look back, though. Let's talk about what happened last weekend. Friday, the last week of the regular season, there was some concern about the weather with the amount of rain that was anticipated to come into the state and did come into the state in, in many areas, including where I was at. In Catamaran, it was pretty constant rain. It was a heavy, heavy mist at times that was kind of blowing, um, but it was pretty constant, and it was certainly a factor in the game that I was at between Catamaran and Muskego, the Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy game of the week, which ended up being a great game. Catamaran won eight to seven, scoring a touchdown and converting a two-point conversion late and then getting a big fourth down stop with less than 30 seconds remaining. But uh, again, weather played a factor in that one. Weather pay, played a factor in a number of games around the state. I had a chance to stop at um, Brookfield Academy on the way. They had a 5 o'clock start, so I swung by there to uh, to get in uh, another game and to get in a couple of teams that I had not previously seen, Brookfield Academy and Living Word Lutheran. Um, and it was when I got there, barely sprinkling. And by the time I, I I left after the first quarter to get back over to Kettle Moraine, 
it was raining pretty heavily there. Not very fun. Many of the people at that game stayed in their car, uh, watched from the sidelines. It was uh, blowing pretty good. Um, but then talking to some folks on the western part of the state, uh, you know, it was it wasn't perfect, but there certainly wasn't as much rain in in some areas. Uh, however, certainly did impact some games and some things that happened uh, around the state on Friday night. So uh, we had concerns about the weather and what that might mean. And if games got postponed, you know, what that would mean for qualifiers, what it would mean for the playoff timeline. Thankfully, everything got in. There, there were not any delays that I was aware of. There was games that were moved. Some games moved to Thursday. Some game times moved up on Friday. But ultimately, all of the games got in, which was awesome to uh, to see. And you know, once once the games got done, then we could start to uh, to figure out who was in, who was out, and all the all the good things associated with that. Um, very thankful to be involved in the football reveal show on Saturday. I uh, had a, a great experience working with Carly and Luke and Pablo uh, at the WKOW studios in Madison. Um, First year with the with them uh, on the reveal show, we'll kind of talk about some other news around TV coverage for football in, in a little while. But uh, good experience. I thought the show went really well. I understand certainly that there were some problems with people trying to stream the show if they were not able to watch it on TV, um, and that it had not been picked up unfortunately by the Green Bay and Milwaukee TV stations, which meant they were kind of out uh, out of luck. Um, and the streaming did not work on a couple of the stations, but I, I'm sorry, that's not in my control. Uh, I got a number of messages and a lot of complaints Saturday about it while we were doing the show, which number one, I don't know what people expected me to do while on air, um, because number one, I don't have anything to do with the production of the show. I'm just an analyst talent on, on air, on air. Um, but, uh, I couldn't do anything when the show was going either. So uh, hopefully it'll be better the next time around. Either way, it's good to see that expand. Uh was a good experience, and hopefully it'll be smoother the next time around. But again, I don't have anything to do with it. Sorry to the, the guy on Twitter that said he was, uh, when he saw me in person, there was going to be consequences because he could not watch the stream online. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I, I, again. I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, so we got the brackets. We got them released. We got a chance to go over them and evaluate things a little bit. And, you know, let's talk about the qualifiers first. There was 39 teams that finished under 500 that made the playoffs. Teams that finished three and four in conference. Had to go through a whole bunch of tiebreakers to get there. It came down to, uh, I think it was 2-3-E, which is your defeated uh, uh, conference opponent's overall win-loss percentage. That was where the final ties got broken to, to get the qualifiers in. There were, uh, I can't remember now, eight or 10 teams that finished three and four in conference and did not get into the playoffs. That included uh, my alma mater, Richland Center. They really, they, they had to have Watoma win against Westfield. That was where it came down to and Westfield won a close one. So that impacted Richland Center's tiebreaker and left the Hornets uh, home, unfortunately, after a strong start or strong finish, excuse me, to the season. Um, so 
We got the 224 qualifiers for 11 player. The qualifiers for eight player were a little more straightforward. That is based on your overall record, not your conference record. And uh, and we got things, you know, in place in terms of who was in. From there, I think there was some uh, some questions and some disagreements about how the groupings were drawn, which is I still maintain that that is where the bulk of the issues or complaints lie. It's actually really related to how the groupings are drawn, not necessarily the seeding part of it, because you have some situations where, um, you know, the, the groupings created problems with seeding. So for instance, in division three, I know there was, uh, people complaining about Grafton and West, uh, Wisco, Wisconsin Lutheran. They were four and five seeds. They finished ahead of Greendale in Greendale in a different grouping got a two seed. And there was a lot of people asking about that and questioning that. And it's it's really pretty straightforward. They're in different groups. So you're not evaluating them together. You're not comparing Greendale and Grafton. You're comparing Greendale and the other seven teams in their group. You're comparing Grafton and Wisconsin Lutheran and the other six teams in their group. So you're if if you're complaining that that Greendale got a two and Grafton got a four, then you're not complaining about seeding. You're complaining about groupings because there are groups that are just stronger than others. We I did a whole article about it, uh, looking at the combined win-loss percentage of each division and each regional grouping. You can find that on wisports.net. Um, and, and there's a definitely a discrepancy. The best grouping in the state is Division 1A that has a combined win-loss percentage of 761. And the lowest is group 3D, which has a combined win-loss percentage of 586. So that's pretty substantial. And there's discrepancies within the divisions where one group is quite a bit stronger or quite quite a bit weaker, perhaps. So again, a lot of the issues revolve around how the groups are drawn. Other complaints that, that, you know, came up, um, Franklin was not pleased to be behind Muskego. Uh, Franklin was undefeated. Muskego had one loss that, that lost to Keta Moraine by one point late on, uh, on Friday night, played playing in the toughest conference in the state, played a very good non-conference schedule as well, uh, which carried Muskego to a top seed. I think you can defend Muskego getting the top seed. I think you can defend Franklin getting the top seed. I, I don't think I would have argued substantially either way. If Franklin had gotten the one seed, I would have said, I would have said fine, good. That, you know, okay. If Muskego got the one seed, I say, fine, good, okay. Um, but it, it's a situation where if you look at, for instance, group B in division one, there was no undefeated team in that group. There was no one loss team in that group. So I think this the groupings could have been drawn a little different where if it was me doing it, you're still following the parameters that that outline how you have to do things, but you could have shifted Sussex-Hamilton into that group. You could have shifted a different team uh, out of there, maybe Fond du Lac uh, or one of the Milwaukee public schools and put them in group C. Or what you do is you, you move Sussex-Hamilton to group B, you move Muskego to group C, and you move a... Milwaukee public school team, let's say Milwaukee Pulaski, out of group B and into group D. 
or you if you if you want to balance them out a little more because then that really uh you know i think sets up quite favorably for franklin to come out of that group put put marquette down in there i i don't know there's there's ways that it could have been done that i think could have balanced things a little bit still been within the guidelines um and could have balanced things a little more and and again could have alleviated some of the complaints that were received. And, and I think that could have been done in other cases as well, where you're not making people drive past a school to go play somebody way farther away, um, but just finessing things a little bit more. Um, so again, I think a lot of the complaints ultimately come down to how the groupings are drawn, not the seating. Because the groupings are really the, the biggest subjective part of the whole process. Um, the criteria, the playoff criteria obviously is subjective in terms of what you put into it. But once you have the criteria set to determine who gets in the playoffs, it's very black and white. It's very straightforward. The seeding is obviously subjective in terms of what you put into that seeding formula and how you weight things. But once that's done, it's black and white. What the the computer spits out as far as the the seed number for every team and the rankings within the groupings there's not you know you can't change that directly without changing the criteria itself but the groups there is subjectivity there as i've said before you could have 10 people look at all of division 1 and tell them okay put teams in four groupings of 8 balance the conference champions, go. You could have 10 people look at it and do it 10 different ways or, or at least five or six different ways and probably not be wrong necessarily. Like it would, it would, it would fulfill the criteria any number of ways. Um, but does that mean that they're balanced? Not necessarily. Uh, you know, I think group Group D with Muskego and Franklin is very top heavy. But after that, you know, I I don't know that it's quite as strong or as deep. Group C is really tough when you're talking about Arrowhead and Muske and Maguanago as the four and five squad, uh, four and five seeds. And then Group A of Division One is the strongest in terms of combined win loss percentage, where you have a, a seven and two Appleton North team that's a seven seed. Seven and two Wausau West is a six seed. So that's a really strong group. I don't know that group B is, is quite there. So again, there's, there's understandable um, disagreements or different viewpoints of how groupings can and maybe should be drawn. That's okay. You know, again, I, I think it's, it's okay to, uh, to disagree on how those could be done. I do think, as I said, that within the current guidelines even, not even changing the guidelines, just looking at it a little differently with a different perspective or or different people or a different person looking at it, I think there are ways that, that could have been uh, done still following the criteria, still following the guidelines, and balance things a little bit more in in a number of the divisions. So, that's where we are with that. Seeding, I think, went extremely well overall, with the exception of how the seeding criteria is currently judging 
the Milwaukee City Schools. There's no doubt that the Milwaukee City Schools are overseeded right now. And this is coming from someone that was on the committee that developed the initial seating for uh, for the uh, football seating as part of the WFCA executive board. We talked about that situation considerably, how there are conferences that are stronger and there are conferences that are weaker. Tried to do some things to adjust and uh, account for those differences. One of those things was the historical conference playoff winning percentage. One of those things is your own team's conference historical winning, or excuse me, your own team's historical playoff winning percentage. And this goes back a period of three years, by the way. It's not back for forever. Um, but, you know, trying to look at it and say, okay, if not all conferences are built the same. So let's try to do some things that might adjust that a little bit. It's not, you know, 80% of the formula. So there's there's not going to be a situation where, you know, it automatically bumps down every Milwaukee City school. It's part of a number of criteria. When we initially put it in play, we ran it against two years worth of data to see what it would do. And there were times where the Milwaukee City schools were a little bit overseeded when we looked back, but not nearly as egregious as it is now. And the reason for that, uh, there's a couple of things that are, are causing problems with seeding the Milwaukee City Conference. The first one being that most of the schools in the Milwaukee City Conference are not playing anyone outside of the Milwaukee City Conference. They are not playing non-conference games outside the league. Any of their non-conference games, if they do play them, are against the other division of the City Conference, which I think is perfectly fine. It's an understandable way to look at it and do it. There are some teams that will go outside the league. It's getting fewer and fewer, but Milwaukee King played two non-City Conference teams. Um, so it, it can be done. It's just most of them are just playing within the league. And any um, seeding formula or, or anything that involves everybody else playing somewhat of an open schedule you know, you're, you're, you're playing your seven conference or your, your, uh, yeah, your seven conference opponents, excuse me. Um, and then you have your two non-conference games. So obviously the, the conference part of it, you know, the conference games are ultimately going to be a wash because the 500 record, you know, everybody's going to add up to 500 basically, but your opponents, your conference opponents and what they do in non-conference and then your opponents, opponents, what they do in their non-conference, all that comes into play. So there's enough variables and there's enough uh, data points that you can start to, you know, do what you would like to do in a seeding criteria. When the Milwaukee City Conference is almost a closed loop and they are not outside of their league, whereas everybody else is, that is hard for any criteria, any seeding formula to address and handle. It just does not work well when it's a closed loop like that. Secondly, many of the Milwaukee City schools are not playing an entire nine-game schedule. So you're not evaluating the entire, you know, a full nine-game uh, view like you are almost every other school. Right now, all of the criteria are based on percentages and averages. There's no penalty and there's no um 
you know, reward either way if you play seven games versus nine games because it's an average per game. I, I guess that's maybe a philosoph philosophical question is if if you should get more, you know, points, if you will, or more uh, benefit from playing nine games versus eight. On the flip side, should you get punished for playing eight games? Kimberly could not find a week one game. They tried. They ended up, they had Milwaukee Marshall scheduled. Milwaukee Marshall canceled on them. I understand it. Um, I, I don't know that that was a Milwaukee Marshall decision as much as it was a Milwaukee City Conference decision, uh, Milwaukee Public Schools decision. But either way, um, Kimberly lost that game. Kimberly only had eight games. So, you know, would it would it make sense to devise a system where you get your number and then it's multiplied by the number of games you play? So if you play nine games, you get a benefit as opposed to playing eight games. And conversely, if you play eight games, you you kind of get punished for not playing that extra that other game. So that's a philosophical question, but many of the Milwaukee City schools did not play nine game schedules. Almost every other team in the state did. Uh, with the exception of uh, some of the teams that lost games because of forfeits, that they could not replace those games. Because remember that the re uh, the the forfeited games did not count for seeding. Forfeited games do count for qualification, but not for seeding. So some of those schools that played, you know, that had the in the Lakeland that had Rib Lake and Flambeau or in the Northwoods that had Menominee Falls and Northland Pines, or that had East Troy on their schedule. Um, they lost a game, and not all of them could replace it. Uh, but the Milwaukee City Conference, if you look at their schedules, there are a number of them um, that, especially in the Blackborn Division, which is the, the weaker of the two, that did not play a full nine-game schedule. Uh, Milwaukee North played six games. Uh, they had a, a double forfeit against Madison. Uh, there was a number of them that played seven or played eight. And so that throws off the averages because they did not play non-conference games. So, you know, if they would have played a non-conference game, the decent chance they they lose just because of the strength of this the, the league. Let's just be honest about it. Um, so they did not have those additional losses or opportunities for losses on their schedule which again is is inflating the uh, you know the numbers for the Milwaukee City Conference. So I, I don't I certainly do not blame the Milwaukee City Conference teams that qualified for the playoffs for where they were seated. They just went out and played. Um, I don't think most of them you know chose to play or not play nine games or chose to 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 play within their the Milwaukee City Conference, some of them wanted to go out and play and they were told they couldn't play outside of the league. So I don't blame them. I don't disparage the coaches, the players, the programs. I have seen some disparaging comments made, certainly, about the Milwaukee City schools. People are taking the frustration out on those programs, including some direct comments, negative comments made to coaches in the Milwaukee City Conference, which is uh, quite honestly despicable, um, should not be done. But 
I think there has to be some way to look at the the seating and how it is currently handling the Milwaukee City Conference teams. They quite honestly should not have five home games in level one. I, I don't know that anybody would argue that they should. I don't I don't know that anybody would argue that Milwaukee Marshall should be a one seed. Um I know there's some coaches very upset in that group, understandably. Um so I don't know the fix, <laughs> to be honest with you. Again, the closed loop and the fewer games, I, I don't know exactly how to fix it. That's something that has to be looked at, though, uh, on on the seeding process. I, I did not, I was not on the committee last year that looked at any tweaks, but I think there's enough data after three years of doing this now to uh, to say, okay, here's some things that we need to start thinking about. Here's some adjustments that we need to to start making and i think overall the seeding did extremely well other than the milwaukee city conference teams i think the the formula and the criteria keeps getting better and better there are ones that i think you understand edgar feeling like they should have got a one seat over boyceville in division seven edgar had one loss it was against ellsworth very competitive they did not allow a point in conference play they beat stratford handily Boyceville was the champion of the Dunn St. Croix. They did not lose a game this year, but I think you can understand it. I think you can defend it. I think personally, I would would have, well, I, I picked Edgar to win Division 7. I'll put it out there. Um, so I think they're the best team in Division 7, but I think you can defend a undefeated Boyceville team getting the top seed over one loss Edgar. I, I, I disagree with it but I think it's defensible. And I don't think it's something that significantly has to be adjusted uh, or looked at to uh, to try to, you know, make an adjustment. There are, you know, some, some other situations where, again, you understand where people would have different viewpoints on it, but guess what happened in the seating process when the coaches did it? They had different opinions on it. They voted differently. Um, there was complaints about the seating that came out of that process. So you, you can't base how the seeding process, whatever you use is working by, you know, not getting any complaints because that will never happen, but you do try to want to get it as close as you can to what, you know, is right. And right is a very subjective term, but uh, I think, again, I think it worked out the way, Probably most things should work out. Um, you know, I, I looked down in Division Six, where undefeated, where Kenosha St. Joe's was undefeated. They were ranked number one most of the year in Division Six. Darlington got a one seat over them, with one loss to Prairie du Chien. And I understand it. I, I don't significantly have a problem with it. I might have put Kenosha St. Joseph's number one. Um, I think I picked them to win over Darlington in a in the head to head that would happen in level three. But I think you can defend Darlington there. Uh, Darlington played a very good non-conference schedule. They played Platteville, and they played Prairie du Chien. Played pretty solid schedule in the Swall. Kenosha St. Joe's in the Midwest Classic, not significantly challenged. Um, didn't have a, a great non-conference uh, schedule. And uh, again, I think you can defend that decision or, or that outcome, if you will. Um, 
I might have done it differently, but I think you can defend it. Again, the only thing, the 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 big thing that I have an issue with, um, and, and I think has to be looked at is the Milwaukee City Schools and how the the criteria is judging them currently. Let's move past that though. Let's let's get past that because um now it's it's time for the games. I mean, we're still gonna have some of the complaints that will pop up because at some point in level three, you're gonna have, you know, possibly. Franklin's going to have to go to Muskego in level three instead of getting that as a home game. And that complaint will come back around at that time. Or, you know, there will be a different situation where a team thought they should have got a different seed. And, you know, they com- you hear the complaints. And, and, and a lot of times it's not from the team. It's not from the coaches or the players. It's from the fans. Although sometimes it is from the coaches. Uh, but, you know, you you hear them right away. Then they get to play in the games, and then things kind of settle down. Uh, even on our show that we did on Saturday, uh, we talked with uh, or Carly or one of uh, now I forget if it was Luke Carly or, or Pablo uh, talked with Andrew Selgrad from Columbus, the defending Division Four state champions. They had one loss this year; they got shut out by Lodi. Uh, they got a three seed in Division Five, and and he was pretty surprised at that. But that's another one of those that I think is more about the grouping than it is the seeding. Because quite honestly, I think three of the top six or eight teams in the whole division are in that group. I would add Westby as a very close consideration. I think Watertown Luther Prep is pretty solid. So by far in Division Five, that is by far the toughest group. Um, I think Division Five is down a little bit, even with the addition of Columbus, um, who, by the way, I did pick to win state this year in Division Five. I keep spoiling my picks. I shouldn't be doing that. Should be making you wait. But uh, again, I, I think it's defensible. Um, and it's one that boils down to more the groupings than it does the uh, the seedings. So let's move let's move past that though. Let's let's get to the games. Let's get to the divisions. And let's start, let's start with the smallest division in eight-player football. Uh, nine, I think it is, undefeated teams. Uh, that are still alive, or excuse me, seven undefeated teams still alive in eight-player football. Uh, all of the top seeds out of the 16 qualifiers are undefeated. Defending champion, two-time defending champion, Newman Catholic, is in the field, but they are just five and three this year. They barely snuck in. Um, just not the same team that they've had the last couple of years. So eight-player football, again, pretty strong when you're talking eight, or excuse me, seven undefeated teams in eight-player I had a tough one back and forth on on what I was going to pick for division uh division well excuse me eight player football division 8 if you will. Uh, I went back and forth on my champion. I went back and forth between Gilman and McDonald Central. They played uh Gilman played a little bit tougher schedule in their league, but McDonald Central, McDonald Catholic also did play Thorpe and Owen Withy out of that league. So they have a, a number of common opponents um, in, in pretty similar, uh, you know, results on, on those games. I did end up going with McDonald Catholic though. I took McDonald Catholic over Gilman in the state semifinals, and then I took McDonald Catholic over Florence. I think the strength of that of eight players is, is, in my opinion, certainly on the left side of the bracket. 
Um, I really like Thorpe. I was kind of surprised that they had two losses this year. Excuse me. But, um, you know, tough league, tough league. Owen Withy is solid on that side. Clayton's pretty solid. McDonald Cath Central, again, a two-loss team that's a two-seed, or uh, undefeated team that's a two-seed. So I think the strength lies on the left. That's where it has been the last few years. Obviously, McDonald, uh, or excuse me, Newman Catholic being on that that uh, group, I think, in the past has kind of helped as well. But uh, ultimately, I went McDonald Central over Florence in eight-player football. I also had uh, Gilman and North Crawford making it to the state semifinals. And I, I kind of went back and forth on that right side. You know, even even in level one, uh, Almond Bancroft and Oakfield was one I de I debated quite a bit. I ended up picking uh, Almond Bancroft. Just not not a not super confident in eight player to be quite honest with you. Um, Division seven, very good group of teams this year. Um, the way the the cut line fell. You know, a lot of those teams that were right at the top that we we thought would be pretty strong that are usually pretty good contenders like a, a Regis and an Edgar um, at the top of the, the enrollment uh, stayed down in Division 7, which certainly helped. I really like Division 7. Um, you know, if you look at the left side, so let's let's say Group B to start with. You've got Cashton as an undefeated team. You've got Pepin Alma as an undefeated team in the same group which also includes Bangor. Very strong group there. Boyceville is undefeated as the champions of the Dun St. Croix, and we talked about this before. Edgar, the champions of the Merriwood, they're a two-seed in that top left bracket, which also features Regis. So you're looking at a likely Regis versus Edgar level two game, which would be very interesting. I think the strength in Division 7 does uh, also lie on the left side of the bracket. I ended up picking Edgar over... Boyceville, and then ultimately Edgar over Cashton in the state semifinals, and finally Edgar over Reedsville in the state championship game, uh, where I also had Potosi Cassville making it in Division 7. Division 6, very strong group as well. Um, you know, obviously you have defending state champion Stratford, you have St. Mary Springs, you have unbeaten Kiwani, you've got Kenosha St. Joseph's. This was one that, especially at that level three, level four time, I really was not super confident on uh, on some of those picks. I went back and forth quite a bit in Division Six on the right side of the bracket because St. Mary Springs has made it to at least the state, uh, state semifinals 14 consecutive years. Bob Highland is still the coach there. As long as Bob Highland is the coach, it is extremely hard to pick against them. Whether they have, you know, a, a great level of talent or not, they just find a way. And it really was a tough one. Level three, Kiwani, I like a lot. Got a chance to see them take it to Southern Door. Um, Went back and forth because that's, you know, if you pick Kiwani, then you're saying that streak of St. Mary Springs comes to an end of making it to state semifinals 14 years in a row. 
probably going to kick myself. I'm probably going to feel really stupid for picking against Bob Hyland, but I did pick Kiwani in that one. Picked Kiwani over Kenosha St. Joe's in the state semifinals on that side of the bracket. And picked Kiwani over Stratford in the state championship game. Could very easily see Kiwani losing to St. Mary Springs in level three and my my champion going out relatively early um, because I, I I like, I think four, four or five, maybe six of those teams in division six, I, I think are really, really good that are state championship type teams. And, and that's not always the case. That's not going to be the case in every division we're going to talk about. I think Kiwani, Springs, Darlington, St. Joe's, Stratford are all state championship caliber teams. I think Grantsburg is pretty close. Um, the A's, Auburndale and Abbotsford, I, I don't quite know that I put them in the same tier, but still pretty solid groups. Uh, so it was it was a tough one in Division Six, where again, I picked against Bob Highland, and I I I have a bad feeling I'm going to regret that. Um, I also picked Kenosha St. Joe's over Darlington in level three, which that's going to be a great game. I, I, I'd, I'd like to pick Darlington. I, I wanted to pick Darlington, but ultimately I think Kenosha St. Joe's just has too many athletes with, uh, with Jaden Gordon, who's averaging 17 yards per carry, eliciting some, uh, you know, thoughts of another Gordon that ran wild in Kenosha about 12 or 14 years ago. Uh, but also, he's not the only one, though. they got Jamire Davis. They've got Eric Kennessy. They've got a really strong group of athletes. Many of them played on the uh, the basketball team that made it to state in the spring. So I really like Kenosha St. Joe's, but I did pick them to lose to, to Kiwani in that state semifinal matchup. Division 5 is one that I, I, I touched on it before, but I don't think Division 5 is quite as strong as we maybe have seen in recent years. Um, out of, so in division four, there are nine teams that are designated as their conference champion by the WIAA, the WIAA for dividing up teams and trying to equal out brackets. They require that every conference have a tiebreaker to determine one designated conference champion for playoff purposes, whether it's two teams or three teams that shared the title, there's one that has to be designated. And in Division Four, there were, I believe, nine designated conference champions. In Division Six, there were nine designated conference champions. In Division Five, there's only two designated conference champions. One of them is Aquinas, who's the two-time defending state champions in Division Five. And then the other is Lake Country Lutheran, who was in a three-way tie for first in the Metro Classic with Racine St. Catharines and Watertown Luther Prep. I don't know what the tiebreaker they ended up using was because they all beat each other head to head in round robin fashion. Um, so Lake Country Lutheran was one of those designated conference champions, but they got a four seed in the bottom part of that uh, right bracket in Group D. So without a doubt, though, as I said, I think the strength in Division Five is in Group C. I think four of the top eight ish teams are in that group: Aquinas, Prairie du Chien. Columbus and Westby. Watertown Luther Prep is nothing to sneeze at. Broadhead Judah, I had high expectations for coming into the year. They have underachieved, I think, is a, a fair way to put it. But they have an opportunity to uh, right the ship in the postseason. Now they get Columbus right away out of the great out of the gates, which is not great. But uh, you know, that's a talented team that I would put probably better than 
most of the other threes in the other groups. Um, so group five is just loaded. I ultimately picked Columbus to come out of there. I think whoever comes out of there, whether it's Aquinas, Columbus, Prairie du Chien, I think that's your that's your state champion is out of that group. And I, again, I picked Columbus to come out of there. I picked Winnebago Lutheran to come out of Group D, which you know I'm, I'm just not so sure on some of those Group D teams. You got Milwaukee Academy of Science as a two seed down there. By the way, they are not a MPS uh, or a Milwaukee City Conference team. They're an independent. They qualified as an independent school. Um, I got a chance to see them for about a half up at Mauston when they played a, a game there on a Saturday earlier this year. Very talented uh, on the outside and at the skill positions. They are not very deep. They are not very deep uh, on the line on either side. But I think they did get a, a pretty solid draw. They get uh, Lomira in uh, level one, potentially Horicon Houstisford in level two. So we'll see if, uh, if Academy of Science can make a little bit of a run. But I did pick Winnebago Lutheran to come out of that group. On the other side of the bracket, the top left, I like Northwestern to come out of there. I think they they took that loss to Cameron earlier in the year, and I think that it kind of you know left uh, left some people wanting um, and, and wondering about the Tigers. But they rebounded and ended up getting back into a share of the conference title in the heart of the North. So I like them to come out of the top left. And I like Stratford, or excuse me, not Stratford, that's a different division. Uh, in the lower left, I like Wrightstown to come out of there over Southern Door and over Wittenberg Burnhamwood. Wrightstown plays a pretty tough schedule in the Northeastern Conference. They're, I think they're the only team that drops down to Division 5 out of that league where you have other uh, strong D4 contenders like Little Shoot and Luxembourg Casco um, that are that are in that uh, that conference. So I like Wrightstown to come out of that side. I took Columbus over Northwestern in the state championship game in Division 5. Division 4, looking at our, our staff and media partner picks, I was a little bit surprised, perhaps. Uh, obviously, we're going to have a new champion in Division 4 as Columbus falls out of Division 4 uh, and into Division 5. So we know we're going to get a new champ. And I thought, overwhelmingly, our media partner staff and media partner picks would have Catholic Memorial overwhelmingly in uh, in those picks, and and they did get the majority of uh, choices as the state champion in Division Four, but not maybe not as many as I thought. And I do think there are some very good teams in Division Four. I, I just think that Catholic Memorial has something to prove after last year. I think that they found. They found something in MJ Mitchell at quarterback as well, where he really stepped in and gave them a different uh, dynamic in the absence of Corey Smith, who missed almost all year with uh, with an injury. And he came back last week to kind of get ramped up for the playoffs. And I just think they're going to be on a mission to prove some things this year. So I guess I have already teased it enough. I, I pick and picked Catholic Memorial to win it in Division Four. I like Two Rivers a lot. Two Rivers gave Saint or gave uh, Catholic Memorial a scare in the state semifinals last year. Those two teams could meet up again in the state semifinals, potentially. 
And I, I think it could be a very good game. I think, you know, two rivers had a lot of their guys back this year from that team that, that uh, put a scare into Catholic Memorial, Owen Carlson, or, or excuse me, not Owen Carlson, that's Kiwani, uh, Chase Mathias, uh, the younger Mathias, Justin Klinkner. Like there's some good kids that have a lot of experience for two rivers that played in that environment last year that are not going to be overwhelmed. Um, so I, I like them to come out of that group. Although Luxembourg Casco is a team that dropped down to division four after, you know, kind of going back and forth sometimes over the years between three and four, they're, they're kind of one of those bubble teams on the enrollment uh, bubble, if you will. Um, they've largely been division three though. In fact, uh, I think they have always been D3. So they, they haven't been in D4, I guess, but they've been very close to that D3, D4 cut line. But they do drop down to D4 this year, which is an interesting component um, that also happened with, by the way, Mosinee, West Salem, Martin Luther. So I think that strengthened Division 4, even though Division 4 lost its champion from last year with Columbus going down to D5. So... Uh, you know, that, that would be an interesting game, Luxembourg-Casco and Two Rivers. But I do have Two Rivers getting through there and uh, Two Rivers and Catholic Memorial in a state semifinal game on that side. On the other side, I think that top left group, Group A, I think is tough to peg. You've got a number of middle border conference teams in there that, you know, kind of went through the regular season beating up on each other. Rice Lake was a champion of that league, but they're up in Division Three, so. St. Croix Central was second. They got the, the number one seed. Mozanie drops to Division Three. They're the champions of the Great Northern Conference. I think they certainly, that dynamic is, is interesting with them dropping down and how that's going to play out with potentially some of those uh, those middle border teams at some point down the road. Mozanie likes to throw the football a decent amount, and, and that's kind of always been a question mark with them when it comes to the playoffs, uh, at least recently. You know, they've, they've had some success historically, but uh, more recently, it's been a little bit of a struggle for them. They they often, you know, have ended up going against Alaska or Rice Lake or or some of those t uh, teams. They haven't gotten past level two, have not gotten past level two since finishing as state runners-up in 2005. So, you know, can, can a pass-heavy attack like that, can it? Can it play the deeper we get into the season? Can it play better in D4 than what we have seen in D3 for uh, for Mosini over the over the years? So that'll be interesting to watch. But um, I did pick St. Croix Central to get to the state semifinals there. On the other uh, group, I really like Lodi and I really like Xavier. I like both those teams a lot. Xavier took it to the Northeastern teams in crossovers and non-conference play. Um, but Lodi just has so many seniors. I, I think it's over 20 seniors and they're very good. They've had, I think four kids now commit to play at UW Eau Claire. Um, Mason Lane, their quarterback. I, I can't remember if he's still undecided, but he's a, a very dynamic player for them. Um, and even as much as West Salem has struggled this year compared to what we thought coming off of a D3 runner up finish, you know, had some, some kids back. They, they've, they haven't quite been where we thought they would be. They finished third in the Cooley Conference behind Aquinas and behind Westby. I still think that's a team that could maybe get things together and make a run in the playoffs. Uh, they would 
I have to get by South Central champion Adam's Friendship in level one, and then a, a tough game against Lodi in level two. But, you know, I think that's a, a tough matchup as a four seed. But I do like Lodi, and I do like Xavier to advance. I think that would be a great game, Lodi and Xavier. I picked Lodi to get through. I picked Lodi to get to the state championship game. And I picked Catholic Memorial over Lodi for the state championship in Division Four. This is a good uh, good chance to pause and remind everybody out there to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, let's move on to Division Three and our breakdowns and previews of the high school football playoffs. Division Three is uh, is interesting for for a few different reasons. I think you know, looking at the the, the strength of Division Three, maybe not quite there compared to some of the other divisions. In fact, if you look at the combined winning percentage of Division Three teams, it's six thirty five. That is quite a bit behind anyone, any of the other divisions. The best and strongest division, at least by winning percentage, by the way, is Division 7 at 707. So D3 has the lowest combined winning percentage. Uh, you have two undefeated teams, Port Washington and Mount Hora Barneveld. But you've also got, you know, a three-loss Onalaska team as a three-seed. You've got, you know, not, not great records. On, on some of these fairly high seeded teams in some of the uh, some of the brackets. Again, Greendale was a three seed in uh, in Group D, and Greendale finished six and three. It got a three seed. So uh, the other interesting part in in Division Three is that uh, there are six teams from the Mississippi or no, excuse me, five teams from the Mississippi Valley Conference. Seven teams total. Out of the 18 Mississippi Valley Conference qualified for the playoffs, the only team that didn't, unfortunately, my Reedsburg Beavers did not qualify, but everybody else did. Uh, heading into week nine, there were three scenarios that had to happen for, for all of that to happen, and it did. Uh, Toma upset Baraboo, or excuse me, Toma took down on Alaska, Sparta beat Baraboo. Um, so seven teams from the conference got in, including, I think it was three of them, that were three and four in league play. Now, a team like Toma, who has Baraboo in level one, Toma won three games in a row to finish the season. Very powerful running game behind Logan Rooflet. Um, that's a team that, that could make some noise despite that slow start. And they did beat West Salem in a non-conference game early in the year. But let's start, let, let's let's look at uh, group A, the top left group, excuse me, to begin with. Rice Lake is up there, as they often have been where they'll get some of those great Northern teams and some of the Mississippi Valley teams. We've seen Rice Lake make some good runs through the playoffs out of, you know, similar pairings and similar groups in the past. And uh, I, I like Rice Lake to come out of there. On Alaska is the three seed. Their offense is very, very good. Their defense um, leaves a little bit to be desired. And, and that could be their undoing. They potentially, on Alaska does, have a level two rematch with Medford. Those teams met in the playoffs last year. Uh, on Alaska's defense was very, very good last year, and they they uh, took took care of things pretty easily in that one. And then this year in a non-conference game early on, Medford hammered on Alaska. It was, it was not a, a good experience for the Onalaska Hilltoppers in that one. 
Uh, Medford ran for 562 yards in a 52-35 victory. Now, their offense, Onalaska's offense, did well. I mean, uh, scored 35 points. Adam Skifton threw for 313 yards and five touchdowns. And they've got some good athletes at the, the skill positions. Um, but they got to stop somebody. they got to stop the running game. Uh, and that's been a struggle for the Hilltoppers all year. So I, I do like Rice Lake to come out of that one. Lower left, Mount Hor Barnevelt is undefeated. They got a lot of uh, support in our media partner picks to get to state or win state. And I think they're a very good team that certainly has that ability. But I also think they they weren't necessarily challenged during the course of the year. Uh, the Badger, small, I, I don't know, was that strong this year. Um, Monhor Barneveld went undefeated. You know, they dominated the, the conference. They did give up some points. They gave up over 20 points a game in conference play. So that's uh, maybe a little bit of a concern. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I they, they did beat Monroe in the, one of their non-conference games, but they also played McFarland, a playoff team, but one that they beat handily. I mean, Mount Hor Barnevelt, other than a 14-13 decision over Stoughton, who just barely snuck into the playoffs, you know, they, uh, they weren't really challenged all that well uh, this season, I don't think. So... They they're talented. I just don't know if they've if they're quite ready. They might be a year or two away because there's some extremely talented young players in that program, and that program is going to be very good for a while. Uh, but I, I don't know if this is the year because I picked Notre Dame to come out of that group. In fact, I think Montour Barneveld could have some trouble with whoever they end up with in level two, whether it's Toma or Baraboo. Both those teams pound the football. They do it in different ways. Toma is a little more of a, you know, eye type formation or power eye, run it at you. Logan Roofled will probably get a hundred carries. Um, whereas Baraboo is kind of, you know, single wingish, uh, do some stuff out of that with some counter and misdirection type stuff. And I think either of those teams could pose some, some problems for Mount Horeb. I don't know if they can keep up with the Mount Horeb athletes on offense. But I think those teams can certainly uh, possibly do some damage on the ground and control the ball. So I think that might be a challenge for Mount Horeb. And then I think Notre Dame is not similar to last year. You know, they they were 7-2 and two last year. They got a 7 seed. Their, their schedule wasn't very strong. The FRCC South is not very good. And they had essentially not beaten really the the better teams on their schedule. Um, they only have one loss this year. They did beat Menasha for the conference championship in the FRCC small. Christian Collins of Christian Collins, excuse me, a very good running back for Notre Dame. That's a team that you know we've seen over the years that doesn't always have the prettiest record, but they come in and they got to the state a few years ago. And I just like Notre Dame uh to, to potentially get back to Madison. They their only loss this year was to Wanakee, and you know there's no shame in losing to Wanakee. Outside of that, they did beat Pulaski in a non-conference. They beat Menasha, but the rest of the games against the FRCC South, they just, you know, they rolled. They they weren't really challenged. But I do like uh, Notre Dame and what they can do. So I have Notre Dame coming out of that grouping. I have Notre Dame beating Rice Lake. I think that would be a good game in the state semifinals. On the right side of the bracket, I love Port Washington. I love Ben Fritch. 
one of the most dynamic players in the entire state. They use him in a lot of different ways. They, as uh, as a sophomore, he was a receiver. He started last year as a receiver. A couple games in, uh, their quarterback went down. He moved to quarterback, ended up being a co-conference player of the year in the East Central. They had kind of wanted to maybe keep him at receiver this year, but he ended up staying at quarterback. But he returns punts, returns kicks, plays defense. The Plymouth game that I saw him in, he uh, you know was outstanding on offense, returned punts, had an interception on defense. Did cramp up in that one and missed a, a portion of the end, but they already had things in control. So I love Port Washington, uh, and I picked them to not only get out of that bracket, but I picked them to win state over Notre Dame. In the lower right, I think there's uh, you know a, a little bit of drop off in this grouping. Uh, again, six and three Greendale got the two seed here. Monroe, the defending state champions, are the one seed, but you know they they did rattle off seven in a row. They did end up winning the Rock Valley Conference, but it's uh, it's not quite as powerful of a, of a team as they had last year. Did the Cheesemakers? But it was enough. They lost two non-conference games, but I think they've got enough to uh, to make a, a run. I think it could be interesting if they and Pewaukee meet up again. In the last two years. You know, there was there was arguments to be made that Pewaukee and Monroe were the two best teams in the state each of the last two years and met before the state tournament or state finals and, and could again. But I do like Port Washington over Rice Lake in Division Three. Moving on to Division Two. A lot of storylines in Division Two. A lot of really, really outstanding teams in Division Two. I think you're looking at, you know, four or five elite teams that all, all, are worthy and good enough to be state champions. It starts with Wanakee in the top left in Group A. Uh, they're up with uh, some of the Big Rivers teams, some of the Mississippi Valley teams, uh, as well as Marshfield up there, DeForest. Um, but I like Wanakee. I like Pat Rice to. You know, find a way to get them out of that group. Um, the other group, Kaukauna, had an outstanding year. They beat Kimberly. They were the uh, co-conference champions with the papermakers in the FBA. Their only loss was uh, against Fond du Lac. Uh, I, I think they could have a tough one, a rematch potentially with West Appear, although I think Phenomeny Falls and West Appear could be a great game. Uh, and then Homestead in level three. Homestead always seems to find a way to, to be there and in, in the mix. But I like Kalkona to come out of that uh, that group in Group B. Group C, I think I I think I said it on the uh, on the show on on Saturday. We we tried to connect with Brian Kaminsky, the head coach at Sun Prairie, and had some technical difficulties. But as as I think I had said, I, I think he's got to be very pleased with how his um, you know assignment came out. They're a two seed. Milwaukee King is the one seed. I don't know that there's a lot, you know, Nicolet could cause some problems. Slinger's tough, but I think it sets up well for Sun Prairie East to, to get out of that group. Uh, and then in the bottom part, three really, really good teams. Kettle Moraine, the top seed, undefeated, won the Classic 8. Argument could be made that they're the best team in the state regardless of division. You've got Badger as a two seed. They're undefeated conference champions out of the Southern Lakes Conference. Just wear you down with that uh, option offense, J.P. Doyle. Uh, just a, a really strong group, not a stad. The, the running back, really strong rushing attack for them. In Waukesha West, don't sleep on them. A classic eight team. They, uh, they're well-tested. 
They they got a win. Who did they beat? Did they beat Arrowhead? I think was the 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 win that they got, or maybe McGuanago. Um, actually, I think it was McGuanago in Week Nine, right? Yeah, they beat McGuanago in Week Nine to uh, clinch a playoff spot. So that's a very good team. So I think you're looking at three, at least level four quality teams in that group, if not state state uh, finalists in that group. But ultimately, I do like Kettle Moraine to come out of there. I like Kettle Moraine to beat Sun Prairie East, which would be a rematch of last year's level three game. I went back and forth on the other side in the semifinals, and I changed my vote, and I talked about it with Bob Highland. You just, it's hard, you, you, it's hard to pick against Pat Rice. He just finds a way so often. They're a talented team. They haven't really been challenged this year. You know, they played Middleton, beat Middleton. They played Notre Dame, beat Notre Dame. They they weren't really challenged in conference in the Badger Large. Uh, they beat Sun Prairie East. Those were all, all their competitive or better, excuse me, better opponents were early. So Wanakee, Kaukauna, again, two teams that I think are state championship caliber teams in Division Two. I picked Kaukauna initially, and then I changed my mind because I didn't want to look like a fool picking against Pat Rice, as I've done before. And he, Pat Rice, Dave Keel, Bob Highland are ones that I just have a hard time picking against in any capacity. Um, so I changed my pick, and I ended up picking Wanakee out of there. I did pick Kettle Moraine over Wanakee in the state championship game, though. Kettle Moraine is really good. Wanakee is very good. Pat Rice is perhaps the goat of coaches in the state of Wisconsin. Um, hard to pick against him, even in the state championship game, even against an undefeated Classic 8 conference uh, champion like Kettle Moraine, the defending Division II state champions. What uh, what Matt, Matt McDonald has, has done there is has been nothing short of astounding in his staff. But I did pick Kettle Moraine to beat Wanakee in the Division II state championship game. All right, last one, Division I. Over an hour on the podcast already as we break down all of the playoff information. Division I, Group A, kind of surprisingly, I, I hadn't really initially thought of this as the group, but that group has the highest combined win-loss percentage of any group in the state of any division. Hudson is the one seed. They have one loss. Kimberly is the two seed. They have one loss. Stevens Point is the champions of the VFA. They have one loss. Stevens Point beat Hudson in the regular season, by the way, in a non-conference game. Nina's the four seed. Appleton West, uh, again, the seven and two, and they got a seven seed. They didn't, you know, hard to say who they beat. I, I kind of understand, I guess, them getting a... Uh, a seven seed. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Upland North is six and three and they got a seven seed, but, uh, you know, just a strong group. Um, I did pick Kimberly to come out of there, just finding a way like they so often do. Group B of division one, we've talked about Milwaukee Marshall, the top seed there. I, I think, I think the gets them in level one. And I think that could, you know, exacerbate some of those complaints about the Milwaukee city teams. Again, it's not Milwaukee Marshall's fault, but I, you know, I don't root for teams, but I, I do think it would be a good story 
if one or two of these Milwaukee City teams can get a win as a home team, I think that would be very beneficial to that league, to football in Milwaukee. And also a little bit of a statement that, you know what, we we can do it. We're, we play football too. Uh, I think that would be a good story. You also got Bayport and Marquette in that group. Um, I took Bayport to come out of that group. Them and uh, Marquette, I think that would be a solid game in uh, in level three, but I took Bayport to come out of there. Other side of the bracket, Group A, Sussex Hamilton's undefeated champions of the Greater Metro Conference. I think it's going to be a tough road for them, though. You're, again, you're talking about a next game against either McGuanago or Arrowhead, two extremely talented teams, two teams out of the best conference in the state. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Then you're looking at Verona and Middleton uh, potentially down in the bottom bracket. Middleton lost to Verona in the head-to-head -head matchup, uh, and that cost uh, cost the Cardinals a conference title. Verona won it for a second year in a row. So that'd be a, a very good level two game, Middleton and Verona. But I like Sussex-Hamilton to come out of that grouping. Then the bottom, Group D, it, it really, with apologies to the other teams, I think it really is about Franklin and Muskego. This would be the fourth time in the last five years or fa last five playoffs anyway that these teams would have met and muskego has won the previous four now this or me, this would be the fifth time in the last six years that they would have met and muskego's won the previous four last year muskego won 42 to 18 i'm not saying it happened because of but the year that franklin won state in 2021 they were in a different bracket with Muskego. They did not play Muskego in the playoffs. So it's been a little bit of a hurdle for Franklin to get past Muskego. Again, Franklin feels like they should have got the one seed. I understand it. Um, they will have to beat Muskego if they want to advance, I, I, I think, in a level three game. And I did pick Muskego to come out of there. I picked Muskego over Sussex-Hamilton in the state semifinals. I picked Kimberly over Bayport in the state semifinals. And then I picked... Muskego over Kimberly in a state championship game in a Division I field that I think, I don't, I don't want to say it lacks the pizzazz or uh, or whatever of, of some past years, but it just, you know, Kimberly's got a loss. Muskego's got a loss. Bayport's got a couple losses. There's just not, you know, as many marquee teams and storylines. There's no McGuanago from last year. Um, Franklin is, is undefeated and Sussex Hamilton are undefeated and very good, but I just don't know that they have, you know, if they carry the same weight as if Kimberly was undefeated or McGuanago or Bayport or Muskego. Um, so an interesting field in division one, but ultimately again, I pick Muskego over Kimberly in division one, and that would be the final state championship game start would start at four o'clock on the Friday of the state championships, November, whatever that is, 16th or 17th, I can't remember. Uh, so that will do it. That's my picks. And you can find those. They're now published. They are public and available on wisports.net. All of our staff and media partner picks are up on wisports.net. So you can check out who I pick, who the rest of our staff picks, who some of our, our media friends, our great media friends around the state, who they pick, and tell us how wrong all of us are and point out how wrong all of us will be, because I 100% guarantee that I will not get all of them right.
I 99.9% guarantee I won't pick all eight state champions right, but they're out there. So pick them apart as you will. That will do it though, I think, for today. We're already over an hour, well over an hour. Um, you can find all of our playoff previews at wisports.net. You can find uh, after the games, we'll have a rapid reaction on Saturday morning, just kind of recapping the, the big storylines from level one, looking at how each conference did, tracking the champions, you know, see how they're doing. Uh, just a, a good amount of uh, information that you can find in that rapid reaction. Then we'll continue to have our jolly good player of the week, our team of the week, our WSN team of the week, our quick trip in Wisconsin dairy game of the week poll we'll have throughout the playoffs as well. Plus. We will have continued postseason previews every week of the playoffs. We will have a preview of every division all the way through the state championship game. So make sure you check that out. Obviously, if you have not yet, you will want to get a WSN Extra subscription because not only is it football playoff time, we're also getting ready for basketball. Practices start only a few weeks away, so you can get all kinds of good information from Mark Miller and Norbert Durst over the next month or so to gear up for the high school boys and girls basketball seasons on wisports.net. Again, let's remind everybody out there to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. That will do it for today, though. On the WSN Podcast, I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.